Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Hey everyone, Double G from the Fight Game Podcast and Fight Game Media. We're doing a $25 Amazon gift card giveaway. The way to enter is to rate and review us five stars on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. How do you do that? Take a screenshot and send that screenshot to gg at fightgamemedia.com. We'll keep this going for two weeks. At the end of the two weeks, we'll choose a winner via random and email that winner. Unfortunately, because of how this stuff generally works, we can only do this for U.S. residents. We're very sorry about that. Make sure you also subscribe or follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. This also helps us out a ton. Thank you very much. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network, the first show of 2022. I'm Carlos Torre, and joining me every single time is Robert Silva. Robert, first of all, here you're a little bit under the weather, but how are you feeling? Happy 2022. Hey, happy new year to all the listeners. Happy new year to you, Carlos. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm a little under weather, but I'm never too sick. I could be on my deathbed with tubes sticking out <laughs> to talk boxing. Yeah, <laughs> and hell, we just kicked off the year with a noteworthy, both good and bad, PBC card. The first PBC card, really the first notable card of the year on January 1st from Florida. It, Charles Martin and Luis Ortiz... IBF heavyweight title eliminator and really this was a uh, this was kind of an odd fight a little bit not a bad fight in fact I was a little bit inter- I was quite entertained for bits and pieces of it but it started off with Charles Martin scoring a flash knockdown in the first round and then another flash knockdown in the fourth both of them from really just simple jabs it wasn't even anything right. hard but right. it caught Luis right. Ortiz a little bit off balance, went down both times in the first and the fourth. And then Luis Ortiz just completely obliterates Charles Martin in the sixth with just a devastating left hand, completely stuns Charles Martin. And he, like he did not, he didn't even know where he was. And then Ortiz lands this just beautiful combination and just hurts him, sends him to the ropes. He, Martin's hand, his left glove was stuck in between the ropes, <laughs> kind of like the like all Andre the Giant WrestleMania six spot. And this was uh, a referee. He kind of he separated the uh, the gloves from the ropes, and then Ortiz just completely 
wrecked him seconds later. Sixth round TKO, minute and 37, wins this IBF heavyweight title eliminator. And I, this was kind of a, this was a very curious fight because for the first few rounds, you kind of thought, well, maybe Charles Martin kind of is moving like a slight step ahead of Luis Ortiz. It didn't feel like to me, like Ortiz's legs and balance was right. It was quite there. I, it seemed like something was off for those first few rounds, but Ortiz's power, man, like like we both predicted, it, that power came through mm-hmm. later in the fight. And I mean, Ortiz, even at his advanced age, 42 years old, he is still one of the fiercest punchers in the heavyweight division. And really that sixth round showed why. Uh, Carlos, if he had gone to the body against Wilder in their first fight, the same way he attacked the body when he had uh, Martin out on his feet, he would have been heavyweight champion of the world that night. Uh, he went headhunting against Wilder and gave Wilder an opportunity to recuperate. Um, in- incredible knockout. Uh, he's lost a step. We all see that. But one thing you don't lose, and George Foreman is the perfect example of this, is that one-punch knockout power. And by the way, fans out there, uh, don't don't make the mistake, the same mistake that I saw a lot of people on social media make. It wasn't a left hook. It was a left cross. Ortiz is a softball. So an overhand left is a left cross. And that, Carlos, caught Martin. Picture perfect. Martin did his best Zab Judah impersonation after getting hit, and he went down. And, um... I didn't like the referee separating his glove. I th- think he should have counted. I think he should have counted to 10. Hey, that happened. That That's the game of boxing. And it reminded me I of mean, Carlos. Uh, I mean, uh, if the referee uh, hadn't separated, there, I mean, he was going to get counted. But by the way, I, and I hate to interrupt, but who was the referee during that initial flurry? The referee was like nowhere to be seen. Like Martin he was, was getting... nowhere to be found. He, was, he, he wasn't even in the picture, Carlos. No. And I, I was looking. I'm like, Ort- I'm looking at Ortiz just completely going, going to town on Charles Martin, and just I'm not looking at. I'm not seeing the referee anywhere. I I thought you honestly could... when Martin yeah. got got stunned and then pressured to the corner and get hit with like several right. uncontested shots, I thought right then and there the fight should have been stopped. Yeah, and and the referee had it out because. Martin's glove was stuck in the ropes. He could have easily counted to ten, and that's it. Martin took unnecessary punishment because he had no, he was he didn't know where he was. He was concussed to the point where he thought the, the stoppage was bad, and he went to Ortiz, and Ortiz shoved him after the fight was <laughs> over. That was that was hilarious. Uh, great win by Ortiz. He's lost a step, but he's got that one punch knockout power. And like Carlos said, he's dangerous against anybody in the heavyweight division. I would be intrigued, even though I doubt it'll happen right away, uh, of a Usyk versus uh, Ortiz fight. I'd, I'd really love to see that fight. Uh, two stylists, and Ortiz has that one-punch knockout power. Like Carlos said, Charles Martin was fighting a very good fight with the two flash knockdowns. He was doing everything off the jab. But Martin, as shown in previous fights, has a China chin, and Ortiz broke that, broke that glass jaw. Yeah, it. But but again, I thought Martin looked good. I thought that too. You know, he oh Carlos, he looked great. I yeah. agree with you. He looked great. He just yeah. He, and and you know what? I think caught. there's still a place for Charles Martin. Maybe not at the top of the heavyweight division right now. Gatekeeper, but gatekeeper. He still, could fight all the up and coming. Hey, 
I know it won't happen because one's top rank, one's PBC, but I'd be intrigued by a, a Jared Anderson versus Charles Martin fight. If they could make that fight, I doubt it. But, I mean, that's the type of guys that he'll probably have to face from now on. Um, Guys coming in, guys up and coming. I don't see him anymore as a contender for a heavyweight title. No, I, I, I agree, but I think he's still a quality heavyweight that can, you know, yes, give a lot of up-and-coming yes. guys and, a lot of trouble. And I, and and I absolutely love got, that Jared Anderson got, fight. I would love to see and that. And he's happen. got tremendous power. He, I mean, and, and like my father told me when I was a little boy, I remember right before Ronaldo Snipes fought Larry Holmes. And I was like, man, Pop, why is Holmes fighting this bum? And my father's like, never call another heavyweight a bum because all it takes for heavyweight is to hit you one time and it's over. And then in the ninth round, Ronaldo Snipes drops a Holmes with a nuclear bomb of a right hand. And my father shoves me and says, see what I'm telling you? See what I told you? <laughs> I mean, Holmes got up and knocked out Spinks two, I mean, Snipes two rounds later. But it proved the fact. Charles Martin is a dangerous opponent, just like Luis Ortiz is against any heavyweight. And I wish he would fight a Jared Anderson. That's the type. Charles Martin's the type of heavyweights Jared Anderson should be fighting from now on. And as far as Luis Ortiz's future in terms of getting a heavyweight title shot, I mean, that's still to be determined. Obviously, we still got the Usyk-Anthony Joshua rematch, which if you ask me, I still believe I, I would predict May. And okay. I don't know how okay. if Ortiz is willing to wait that long to see if they'll try to push for the IBF mandatory. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mean, there's no guarantee that Ortiz is going to get a title shot uh, this year. And there's no guarantee that no. his next fight will be a title shot. So no. he's got to stay busy. Yes. I would. Hey, I would mind a rematch. Hmm. Against uh, Martin? Yeah. I mean, if you can't do anything, put them in the ring again. But this time, put it on regular Fox on Showtime. Don't put it on pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm curious. I'm trying to think of what, what other fights that would not only keep Ortiz busy, but well, also— What about, Robert, make... How, what about Robert Helenus? That... I would love to see that fight. I was thinking either Robert Helenas or Andy Ruiz. I mean, those would be perfect fights for Ortiz to fight next. Yes, I agree with you hundred percent. And and whoever comes out of those fights, I mean, they do deserve a title shot. For better yes, or for worse, 100%. they do deserve a title shot. Yes, all three fighters deserve some type of heavyweight title shot, without a doubt. Even before they face each other, I agree. Yeah. I'm not not I don't know hundred percent about Kalenis, but if he were to beat either Ruiz or or Ortiz, absolutely sign me up. Right, right, right. I I, I agree with you. I agree with you, no doubt. Uh, to, uh I want to talk about Frank Martin and how impressive he looked. Uh, talk about the Frank Martin Romero Duno fight. I I loved that. I loved his performance. So on the Fox prelims, and we'll get to the rest of the paper in a second, but Robert really wants to talk about Frank Martin. So on the Fox prelims, we had a couple of fights, and the noteworthy one was Frank Martin versus Romero Duno, a big step-up fight for Martin. Duno, former Ryan Garcia opponent. Garcia knocked him out in 98 seconds back a couple of years ago. And Martin scores a fourth-round TKO win against Romero Duno. Martin looked Real damn impressive with just controlling the yes. pace, outboxing Duno every single avenue. Scores two knockdowns and two very impressive knockdowns and gets the, I would argue, the biggest win of his career up to this point. Yes. And 
I, not even close. And it's, yeah. he was certainly, I, it's certainly his most impressive. And he has now become a fight, a fighter in the lightweight division on everyone's radar. He is pretty darn close to being a a true top tier contender. He has been he has been developing extremely well. His athleticism is incredible, but his ring IQ has been getting better and better. And yes. he hasn't been fighting yes. for that long. I I think I was on the broadcast that they mentioned Martin took a boxing around eighteen years old, so he's still somewhat new. He's a net. He's a natural. He's a damn natural. Uh, I was thinking, I'm going to think this out loud. I'm going to say this out loud. Mm -hmm. uh, when do you think, this is ready-made, and you have a lot, it, you, you could really build this up. Er, is Errol Spence in charge of Frank Martin's career? I'm not sure. I, I, I Honestly, I do not know. Because I, I, I heard that people saying, oh, that's, that, that's Errol Spence's for, uh, 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 fighter. Does that mean that's his boy or, or that he's has some type of man. Either way. Could, could be just I would his love, boy. Okay, okay. I would love within the next 18 to 24 months, because I know uh, our man Tank's not going to be fighting anybody outside of PBC. I think that's the fight to make in 18 months to two years, and it would be an incredible fight, Frank Martin versus Tank Davis. That fight has me intrigued. If, if it's a year from now, I, I, I'd, I'd watch it, because to be honest, Tank isn't fighting anybody out of C out of PBC, and Frank Martin is soon, very soon, to be his most dangerous opponent at 135 inside the PBC umbrella. Yeah, what's it, your thoughts on that, Paul? I like that fight. I really do like that fight uh, within a year because I think Martin. Yeah. I think to me he's still a prospect, but I think yes. he's on the verge of sort of shedding that label. I think he's very, very close, and. Listen, you give him a couple of opponents like a Romero Duno or a I want, or just I, slightly I above him. him, that'll be enough. No, um, what would be good is if this guy doesn't go to prison, put him in against Raleigh. <sighs> oh, he mopped the floor with Romero. I would love to see that fight. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I do not know if PBC or Mayweather will touch him within a 10-foot pole at this point. But I'm trying to think of what other fighters – could potentially fit into where you you got an, a Fox main event slot open. You put Frank Martin in there. I'm trying to think. Um, maybe not necessarily well, who, within who that. Who else do they have at Who else do they have at 135 besides Raleigh and Tank? That's on, on PC. There's, I mean, there's Michelle Rivera, who's another really oh, really good true. young lightweight. That would be a great fight. I would love to see that fight as well. I don't, but here's the thing. I don't think that they'll put them together at this point. I think what they could do is that's 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 later down. I I, I, I think they might take the Stephen I Fulton think... and Brandon Figueroa route where they've had them together. They're on this more or less on the same career trajectory, and they know that they could potentially hold the belt either one or both. And you can wait do until think, then. Do you think Rivera fights Tank before Frank Martin? I would if because if Tank doesn't have, I would an opponent, say it's probably a little more. I would say it's probably a little more likely. I think Rivera at this point is slightly more developed, just a tad bit. Yes, I agree. I agree. And and I do he, think well, honestly, see, I think he'll Rivera will eventually go move up to 140 pounds. So I think he wants to at least take a shot at a 135 pound belt and fight Tank Davis. It'd be a pretty good fight. 
That would be I'd, – I'd go with Tank, but it wouldn't be easy for Tank. Uh, Mitchell Rivera, it, he also has great punching power as well. Tank has an incredible chin. Uh, Tank impressed us his last fight because he fought with basically one hand. How many – what, the last four or five rounds? And gutted out that win over Isaac Cruz. Oh, Isaac Cruz versus Frank Martin. Isaac Cruz. Think about that. Would be an intriguing fight. Isaac Cruz would be another really good fight. Uh, I know there's been some rumblings over over a potential Isaac Cruz Ryan Garcia fight. I think another fight that could potentially be interesting, or at least be used as a litmus test, if you want to see how far develop Frank Martin is and maybe potentially build towards a Tank Davis fight is you put him in on a Fox main event against Ricardo Nunez who fought Tank a couple of years back and he's been he's rebounded with a couple of knockout wins I think that'd be a good way to sort of gauge where uh, Frank Martin is because Tank was able to take him out in two rounds so let's see how Frank Martin well, goes Frank, up against Frank- Frank's not a Frank's not a knockout puncher like uh, Tank is. He, he, Frank Martin, no, he's not. Reminds, but we at least get a chance to sort boxer. of see and make that natural yeah. build. Nunez is tailor made for Martin. Martin would uh, Martin will definitely impress against Nunez. Uh, Frank Martin, like I've said on this program before, reminds me of a lot of people out there that have never seen him. That was a nineteen mid nineteen nineties to early two thousands, two time lightweight champion. Stevie Little But Bad Johnston, who was a softball like Martin, was a beautiful boxer. Martin has more power, but that's who he reminds me of. High ring IQ. And um, I remember when Stevie Johnson first lost the title, Jose Luis Castillo, and in a rematch, they announced him as the winner in his hometown of Denver, Colorado, only to go to the back and say, nah, uh, scorecards were a mistake. It was a draw. And he never got a third fight with Castillo. That's who he reminds me of. I, I mean, I right now, my four favorite fighters in boxing right now, Frank Martin is my number four. I've got Inoue, Boots, and Shakur as my three favorites. Frank Martin is my fourth. I cannot wait to see any of these guys fight. Love these guys. And I'm glad he impressed against Duno. And like we said, he was the perfect fighter to bring out the strengths of Frank Martin. I'd like to see Frank Martin fight somebody like a Mitchell Rivera who's a boxer. And see how well he adapts because these sluggers, they're just tailor made for him. We'll get back to the show and recap the rest of the pay per view in just a second. But I wanted to tell you about what we're doing for our bonus Patreon show in January. In addition to all the podcasts we have here on the Fight Game Media Network, plus all of our shows in our free feed are doing monthly bonus shows exclusively for the Patreon, including us. This time, we're doing, we're going back a long ways away. We're doing a historical recap of one of the biggest upsets in boxing at the time. We saw Lloyd Honeygan scored a massive upset win over Donald Curry many, many, from many decades ago in Atlantic City. It was a tremendous performance. Robert and I saw that fight. Uh, not too long ago, and we recapped it. We went through the ins and outs of the fight, what each fighter had coming in before the fight, the aftermath of the fight, the legacy of that fight. So we had plenty of that. I think we went like 45, 15 minutes on that show. We had no problem filling time and talking about this fight. 
Yeah, and next month we'll be talking about the epic upset, the very first fight between Roberto Duran and Esteban De Jesus. Um, and there's a lot. There will be a lot to un- unpack in, in that fight. We'll be going in 2022. We'll be dealing with the greatest upsets in boxing history, and that'll be the theme. I don't know what 2023 will be, but 2022 right now we're doing a monthly greatest upsets in boxing history, and it was perfect because uh, Carlos mentioned on the podcast, and I agree with him. Probably the greatest performance by a British fighter on American soil in the history of boxing. Yeah, and, and listen, we got 362 somewhat days to sort of think of what to do for 2023. So right now we're doing best ups, greatest upsets in the history of boxing for this year. And for this, moving on to the present, we got a five-fight pay-per-view that we already recapped the main event. And Really, the rest of the pay-per-view, except for the opening bout, was really not that great. And we'll get into that in a second, but the opening bout of this pay-per-view, my goodness. Victor Faust versus Yago Kaladze was five minutes of just pure violence. <laughs> it, it, was in, it was an incredible fight, so bear with me. The fight starts with... Faust scoring a knockdown in uh, a relatively early into the fight. Like, I don't think even a minute into the fight. Kalatsi goes back, uh, recovers, and then all of a sudden just drops Victor Faust midway for the first round. Faust gets back up. Seconds later, drops Kalatsi again. We get a, we get three knockdowns in the first round. And then we go into round two. Faust goes down, and also Kalatse goes down again. So Faust went down first. Then Kalatse lands a. Uh, then I'm sorry. Faust lands a big, a beautiful shot on Kalatse. He just completely stuns him and drops into the canvas. Faust goes up, and then. This was a bit of a surreal, uh, bit of a surreal image. The fight gets stopped by Samuel Borgos, and Kalatse was frustrated. He was irate, and then he goes and, like, essentially gives hits Borgos with a with a light jab. And yep, it was a. <laughs> Very, very bizarre me, situation, but he did me throw time, a punch, and he hit the referee with a punch. It reminded me of the time Zab Judah attacked Jay Nagy. It, 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 it's, no, it's uncalled for. Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely was. It, I get it that he was frustrated. And, and listen, I thought that the fight was stopped a little bit too early. Yes, he got dropped three times, but I thought that given how the fight's been swinging, that you could have done... You could have let Kalantse go, at least until he gets dropped again. But regardless of the reasoning, there was no excuse. I mean, there was no reason for no, no. for Kalantse to do that. It was uncalled for. He should be disciplined. Never, never put your hands on any officials, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, uh, professional soccer, football, or boxing. Don't put your hands on the on the officials. It's uncalled for. Uh Round one is an early contender for round of the year. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> hell, and, and if Samuel Borgos had le- had let the fight play out, we might have been seeing an early fight of the year contender. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're, you're right about that. It could have been a fight of your contender, but right now, and it's early. Keep this a keep this a mental note, ladies and gentlemen. A round to be round of the year has to be better than that first round. That first round was incredible. Yeah, the bar has been set. Faust yeah, versus in round one, and it's a tough one to live up to because, I mean, there it was. I was tweeting, live tweeting the card. And I saw, all right, Kalatsev went down. I'm going to start tweeting that. Right as I was about to hit send, uh, Faust went down. And I'm went like, down. all right, let me just add that. And then as soon as I finished that part, Kalatsev went down again. It was just insane. Definitely, definitely incredible round, incredible fight. I agree with you, Carlos. The referee might have stopped it too soon, but you know what? Safety comes first. Yeah, and, no, uh, and, I, and I get that. I get that. My yeah. whole point was the way with the way the fight was swinging, and I mean, yeah. Kalatsi wasn't seriously hurt. He was kind of back up, and he looked yeah. responsive enough to where you could have let the round play out. But I agree with you. If they, they he could have let it go, and if he went down another time, then right there you stop it. Yeah, but I mean, I thought, yeah, thought it was an early stoppage, but I'm not. Mad. I'm not super mad about it. I'm not, because he didn't go down three times in less than five minutes. The rest of the pay-per-view, a little bit, you know, not really a uh, event, uh, noteworthy uh, fights to recap. We had the rematch between Jonathan uh, Johnny Rice and Michael Coffey last year. Oh, it was Michael God. Coffey who, oh. who, who was unable to fend off against Johnny Rice. Rice stopped him in the fifth round, one of the biggest heavyweight upsets of the year at that point. The rematch was nowhere near as good as their first one. It was a fight. If you kind of think about it, it was almost like if you put that fight, put that first fight and play it at 0.5 speed, and that's kind of what you got here. It was it was slow. Neither guy looked super impressive. Johnny Rice was, uh, was a slightly better boxer. Scores a unanimous decision, 93, uh, 97-93, 97-93, and 99-91. But the thing that w- definitely caught everyone's attention was Johnny Rice's post-fight interview. <laughs> that, was, that was an all-time great post-fight interview. That well, he said re- that he said he, he said that he was he meant to say endurance, and he said endurance. <laughs> So I'm not going to go verbatim the interview because I cannot do it justice. Go watch oh, it yourself. But you got to watch the interview for yourself. Yeah. But here's what he said. He said first he wants to thank his mom who uh who who he talked to right before the fight and then he was talking about how he was so thankful to Al Heyman and now he's got a a hundred uh, a six-figure paycheck and he's going to quit his job. And that, you know, he's and that he doesn't have a girlfriend. He's told he said to his mom, he's going to be a grandmother. She's going to be a grandmother by the end of the year. And he's going to get to work on finding someone. He's going to quit his job. That was it was a fantastically hilarious interview. I love every second of it. He was so full of joy. I mean, he was happy. Oh, man, was he happy? (laughs) He was happy. Hey. Uh, put him in against uh, uh Charles Martin next. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see that. I'm sure. Why not? Why not? I mean, why not? Why not? <laughs> you might as well put that on on 
uh, on, on Fox. I can see that. And I mean, the promotional packages, I think, will be great. If, if Johnny, uh, if, um, if Johnny Rice can keep that energy up for the promotional package, packages, oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> and good. you know, and you know, he's got that right hand. He, he, he could always land that right hand. By the way, uh, Michael Coffey, you need to retire because you can't. I don't think he dodged one right hand the entire fight. That right hand landed whenever it wanted to. Come on, Michael. Uh, but at least there was some entertainment on this in this fight. The next fight, Carlos, after the end of the first round, I was snoring until the decision ran. I'm, I'm lucky I didn't oversleep and miss the entire Martin Ortiz fight. I woke up as they were reading the decision. Well, we had well before that fight. We had a uh, we had Gerald Washington versus Ali Eren Demi Demirezin. Yeah, uh, eighth round TKO win for Demirezin. Very competitive fight uh, to a certain extent, but not overall great. It was not a not a not exciting fight to watch. But co-main event. Washington Washington, Washington took a beating. He, he needs to retire. He took a beat. I mean. He took a beating against an average heavyweight. I mean, that guy's nothing to write home about. Washington at one at, had a title shot before, was on the cusp of getting another title shot. Now, last two fights, he's taken horrific beatings. It's time for him to quit. He's got nothing left. Yeah, and man, in Washington's corner during the fight is con- constantly telling him to avoid that right hand. Just and oh. he just couldn't. I'm actually a little bit surprised that the scorecards were as close as they were. He was winning. What the hell? Yeah. Washington was up on two of the three scorecards, 67-66, 67-66, and only one uh, judge had Dembrezen winning 66-67. Uh, well, he would have lost the fight because he wasn't winning any more rounds. So uh, at least we know it wouldn't have been a robbery unless they come up with a concoction. Oh, well, uh, he— he took a lot of punishment in the tenth round, and because of that bravery, I'll give him the round. <laughs> oh, there are definitely some judges who think that. They are definitely <laughs> some judges who think that. Main event, Frank. Uh, co-main event, I should say. Frank Sanchez versus Christian Hammer. Hammer came in as a replacement at the last second after Carlos Negron, Sanchez's original opponent, came down with COVID, and this was this was just another mm. slow, uneventful. Heavyweight fight. Sanchez just dominated Hammer for the entire fight. Hammer tied CompuBox's all-time record for fewest punches landed in a 10-round fight. Only landed 24 punches. Hammer got dropped in a 10th round, but at that point, that really did not mean anything. Sanchez with another win. Moves to 20-0, but my, my god, the... This fight did not look good. This fight was bad. I can't comment on the fight, Carlos, because I fell asleep after round one and woke up as the decision was being read. So I can't tell you. And after I read what you and other people on Twitter said about the fight, I wasn't rewinding it. (laughs) It was not a... (laughs) Look, this was the type of a point. Look, Hammer, we knew Hammer was going to give Frank Sanchez rounds. We all knew that. Yes. Hammer was a very durable heavyweight who's yes. been in the ring with some of the best in the world, including Luis Ortiz. But yep. And Tyson Fury. And Ty- he's fought Fury and, and Ortiz. Yeah. He's, he fought, both, both, he's fought both Tyson yeah. and Huey Fury. Yeah. Yeah. 
But Hammer, I mean, it's not great. Hammer is not a not a heavyweight you can look great, or it's very hard to look good against. But this was, but at the same time, it never felt like Sanchez fought with any kind of real urgency to kind of impress the crowd or trying to make himself more marketable with a big knockout or anything. I mean, Sanchez knew he had this fight won. Sanchez was outboxing him from the very start of the fight, and there was no chance of Hammer coming back and, you know, and making this anywhere remotely competitive. But that's the uh, that's unfortunately how how it goes. But Sanchez, I think he's still a few fights away from you know really stepping up against the the top of the top of the heavyweight division. I think he still I think he still has a ways to go, and I think he can get better under Eddie Reynoso, but. Uh, this fight, oof, this was not it. This was not it at all. And where do you see Sanchez going from here? That's a that's that's a tough one. That is a tough one. I'm trying to. I, there are a couple of names that I would absolutely love that, but I know it's not going to happen. I love for Sanchez to you know fight a guy like Joe Joyce. I think that would make a really good fight. Uh, Otto Valin actually would not make for a bad fight. I think that this is a, a good crossroads fight for Otto Valin, who unfortunately had to miss out on the Dillian White fight right. uh, from right. a few months ago after White got hurt. So, you know what? I I would actually put Otto Valin versus Frank Sanchez, or or I would even put Charles Martin against Frank Sanchez. Well, why don't we go all the way and put Frank in against De- uh, against uh, Deontay Wilder? Because if he can outbox Wilder over twelve rounds and avoid that right hand and win a decision, I mean, the sky's the limit for Frank Sanchez. I mean, that's a big if. That's a big if. But, and uh, listen, he not, Tyson wasn't. <laughs> Tyson beat him twice, and he was still wasn't able and to do that. He was dropped four, and he was dropped four times in those three fights. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not saying. And right. by the way, how does Ortiz's performance make Deontay look even better in people's eyes? He he knocked this guy out twice and survived. Oh, and he was losing both fights when he did. So uh, I'm tired of the Wilder slander. Wilder has done. You talk about starting late. I he was 19 when he took up boxing. And look at what and he's what an Olympic uh, Olympic bronze medal. And bronze medal. Wait, and, and with only what less than 10 amateur fights. So come on. <laughs> yeah, no. I listen. Ortiz may end up being the best heavyweight of this generation to never win a world title. And I agree with. I agree and that's with a damn you. good accomplishment. That's still a damn good accomplishment because Ortiz, for a very long time, has been a top ten heavyweight. And hell, as recent as a couple of years ago, he was a top five heavyweight. Yep. 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 So. You know what? Or, or, that Ortiz one just keeps looking better and better, in, in my opinion, for Wilder's resume. And listen, I I didn't I did not think that Wilder needed to do that that rematch against Luis Ortiz, but the fact that or, Wilder was still able to knock him out a second time that bodes very very well. That's that's still another a great feather in his cap. And, and Carlos, you could you could you you could you could attest to this. Ortiz has been one of the most avoided heavyweights of the last decade. Period. Yep. Now we have a, a a couple of news to sort of talk about. The main one over there in the UK is that 
UK boxing for the second January in a row has been uh, postponed due to COVID. And so all boxing events under the British Boxing Board of Control's jur jurisdiction have been suspended. Same situation happened last year in January uh, where they had to cancel all boxing. And this is just another... It is another uh, evidence, that, a piece of evidence to show that boxing is still very, very much uh, in a very, how should I say it? It's in a very vulnerable spot right now still. Very, very vulnerable. Because COVID it, with the new variant, and listen, there's no guarantee that the Omicron variant is going to even be the last one. We might even we might be dealing with a new variant by the end of the year, or God, I hope not. All but. I got, all, all I got to say, Carlos, is we got to be masked up for the rest of our lives. That's it. That's the only way to the battle this. I, I, whether you anti or pro vax, I got vaccinated a couple of weeks ago, but I'm never going to stop wearing my mask. Shit, I got I got a fever right now. F keep my fingers crossed that I recover, so I don't have to get that damn COVID test. We have to continue to mask up, and see what that lies you got to protect yourself and i cannot argue with with countries shutting down limiting travel or shutting down a, a sport sporting events they got to do what's best for the citizens of their country period mm -hmm. yeah and i mean look i'm i'm lucky to have never or, or at least officially been diagnosed with covid been tested four or five times at this point been uh, vaxxed i've gotten boosted but yeah. yeah even still i'm i'm still wearing my mask everywhere uh got to go. we got to we got to because how many people have gotten vaccinated have ended up in the hospital sick so no we we gotta we gotta protect ourselves especially if people out there aren't trying to protect themselves you got to protect yourself from those people and really and now that we are in this position boxing more than ever needs to pull the trigger in a lot of these big fights. There's no marinating. Marinating is not, not shouldn't be a thing anymore. And it makes uh, me then, real happy right. that for yeah. Errol Spence's first fight, it's gonna be against your Dennis Ugas in a three belt unification, hey. possibly in April. Like, you hey, we mentioned this last we mentioned this last week, Carlos. This is the second straight time Errol Spence came from a career threatening injury and he fought the best available opponent. He did that against Danny Garcia after that near-tragic car accident, which I still don't know how he survived. When he was ejected from his car and landed face first on the concrete, I still don't know how he survived that. And now the eye injury that almost ended his career. Kudos to Errol Spence. And again, I'm tired of the Spence slander. He's fighting Ugas. And where's the a, number three welterweight yeah. in the world right now? Well, he is the number three welterweight in the world. No one is above him. Yeah. Uh, you know Crawford and, and, and Spencer one and two. Mm -hmm. Ugas has earned that number three spot. And then, like we mentioned last week on the program, it sets the stage for a huge welterweight unification fight where there's no obstacles to make, no obstacles to make against Terence Crawford. So I'm I'm real I'm I'm optimistic. Carlos predicted on last week's episode, as as did I, that we think that fight will happen next. That we think that fight will be announced at the end of the year. And the fight will occur next year. Because I don't see, unless Crawford makes a mistake and fights Boots Ennis, which is a 50-50 fight, if he, hopefully, he fights Keith Thurman, if Thurman wins against Barrios, and then 
boom, you have that fight next year. So kudos to Errol Spence. Carlos, talk about Errol's, I mean, determination. I mean, I, I got to give him credit because twice he should have been retired. Yeah, yeah. But the and the, the great, but, you know, and I give Spence all the credit in the world. I do have to wonder how he's going to look because with all these yes. injuries, it's hard to say, Yo, yeah, no, we're going to get the same mold Errol Spence. I mean, granted, in the Danny Garcia fight, Errol Spence arguably had maybe his best boxing performance yes. against a yes. top-tier opponent in his career. Yes. But against Uga, that's a very tricky opponent. It's a very hard opponent to sort of time. Sean Portis had trouble with Ugas. Manny Pacquiao couldn't beat your Dennis Ugas. Ugas is... And I mentioned this last week. Ugas may just be the trickiest welterweight in the world right now to fight. I would argue even trickier than Crawford, even trickier than Spence. Ugas has this weird and rare combination of tremendous athletic ability, but also a boxing ability that just frustrates the hell out of everyone who steps into the ring. And I still argue his power is somewhat underrated. He doesn't have tremendous knockout a tremendous knockout rate, but he is definitely someone who, if you're not careful, can absolutely, uh, you know, surprise you and hit you with a big shot and hurt you. He's your typical Cuban frustra- uh, frustrating fighter. I mean, you go in the ring with him, it's going to be a long night, no matter how great you are. I thought he beat Porter, and he got robbed of a knockdown in the 12th round. I mean, he landed that right hand against Pacquiao all night long. Pacquiao was washed up, without a doubt. If Pacquiao sports at Fort Spence that night, uh, Spence would have – well, Pacquiao did wind up going to the hospital. Spence would have given him a worse beating, and, yes, Pacquiao would have ended up in the hospital again. Uh, That's a very intriguing fight, Carlos. Ugas definitely is a live underdog. So now we move on to a fight that could happen. We don't know yet. But in the heavyweight division, we have a bit of a situation right now between Tyson Fury, the WBC, and Dillian White. Uh, As we all know, Dillian White is the mandatory challenger to Tyson Fury's WBC heavyweight title. And there's been a lot of issues between White and the WBC. And... We had mentioned this er- earlier that they're in arbitration over the per over, over the purse bid, and the issue here with the purse bid is the WBC ruled uh, and they confirmed that a per uh, the purse bid set for January 11th, unless uh, is set to take place, and in a very rare occurrence, Tyson Fury will won't just get the lion's share of the. Uh, of the winning bet because he's the champion. He's going to get near damn all of it, almost. He'll get an 80-20% <laughs> share of the winning bid, which is extremely rare. Typically in these purse bids, you go anywhere like a 55-45, 65-45, or in the very extremely rare instance, like a 70-30 type, uh, type of split for a purse bid. And... And of course, for for those of you who don't know, a purse bid is when a fight between a champion and a mandatory challenger can't be uh, agreed upon. They the sanctioning body will allow basically any promoter, anyone who who has the ability to per, uh, to bid on the promotional rights of the fight, to do so. And 
I mean, Fury White, regardless of the split, is going to attract a massive, massive purse uh, purse bid. And I don't know if it's going to move forward. I, it's entirely possible that we get the that we get a purse bid, and it still may not change much as White is still trying to sort of kind of fight in that 80-20 split uh, against him. But that is where we stand right now. I do not know uh, what the future is. It's possible that Fury may take a non-title fight in the, in, in the interim as a result, but this is a very this is a very weird uh, and ongoing situation and story right now in boxing. I, I don't know for sure what's going to happen uh, next. We'll just have to wait and, and see it until January 11th. Do you think the WBC is punishing White? for pulling out of that fight against Valine with a mysterious injury, and that's why they went and did 80-20? I just thought of that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the WBC is not going to say this is that the first officially. Time in but... my lifetime, this is the first time in my lifetime that I've seen an 80-20 purse bid. Yeah, same here. Same here. I've never seen an 80-20 uh, split. Ever. I've seen 60-40 most of the time, but 80-20? Come on. That's, it is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, but... Yeah, and here's the problem. And the 80-20 split, the winning bid would have to be $5 million for White to get $1 million. And you know yep. White is not going to settle for anything under seven figures. He's not. So that's we'll the see what real happens. issue. I, uh, I don't think this fight's going to happen. I think you. I think your your uh, proposed non-title fight before a fight with U- the Usyk Joshua winner for Fury is probably the more likely uh, scenario. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't. You don't go out and celebrate for those of you listening. Don't go out and celebrate uh, that Fury is going to be fighting the Usyk Joshua winner uh, because of the potential issue between White and the WBC. Like I mentioned last week, a lot of it will depend on the timing of it all. Yeah. A lot of it will depend on what happens. I still believe that Joshua Usyk will fight again in May. I think that that's still... The fact that we still haven't had a fight announcement here in January, I think you can kind of rule out March by that point. And and I think that they might want a long bill. I think they're also trying to gauge how the Omicron variant is evolving in the UK region as far as cases, number of cases, whether or not they're shut down sporting events in the coming months. And as I mentioned, uh, don't be surprised if the Middle East, you know, places like Saudi Arabia, that they right. could potentially be in play and maybe even lead the conversation and be the favorites to land that rematch. Because, I mean, let's be, those type of places, I mean, I don't think there's going to be that much of a worry regarding the uh, coronavirus spread and, the money that the Middle East will throw to host that kind of fight, it, it's its immense. Yeah, Joshua made a massive amount of money for his rematch against Ruiz out there. So I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at that either. So we just had the... All of our year-end awards on Fight Game Media uh, be posted. And last week we had discussed our... That was our breakout star for the for the year, and the rest of the awards came out, and 
I'm not surprised at at our respective picks, to be honest. Fight of the year, I picked the Juan, Juan Francisco Estrada versus Roma Chocolatito Gonzalez rematch. You had picked the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury trilogy fight. Uh, yeah, and I said I said this uh, multiple times. I ain't got no problem with Wilder hey, Fury Carlos, three winning. Those were the two best. Those were the two best fights of 2021. So either one is the correct uh, is the correct winner. Yeah, I mean, and listen, there are you know, there are pros and cons to both of them. I mean, the yeah. drama in both of the fights were were tremendous. Fury Wilder mm-hmm. three had. The years of buildup and the storylines heading into it, the the pack and forth and the between both guys trading knockdowns early in the fight was tremendous. The atmosphere was electric, but I thought the action in Estrada Chocolatito 2 was slightly better. The amount of punches they threw at each other is still yep, still ridiculous. boggles my mind. The only problem we had with that fight was the decision. Yeah. And even then, now we're going to get a trilogy fight. We're going to, hopefully, in the coming months, barring anything uh, ridiculous that will potentially end it. So, yeah. So, our fighter of the year was Canelo Alvarez, which I thought, I I don't know about you, Rob, but I thought that That was was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. First undisputed 168-pound champion in the history of the sport. And I'm not talking just four belts. When there was a WBA and a WBC, there was no undisputed uh, uh, cruiserweight champion. When there was a WBA, WBC, and IBF, there was no undisputed cruiserweight champion. The closest was Joe Calzaghe, who gave up one of his titles before beating Mikel Kessler. He could have been an undisputed title, but uh, I think he was forced to give up one of his belts. So Canelo doing what he did. Three huge fights last year, four fights in the last 11 months. It was a no-brainer, and my number two was Usyk, but I think what Canelo did trumped Usyk's incredible win over Joshua. If I'm being honest, and I'm still going back and forth on this, I think either my number two, I think it's a 2A, 2B type of situation. I think Usyk is the 2A, and I think Stephen Fulton is my 2B because the win— He was my number three, and Josh Taylor was my number four. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of fighters that definitely earned a spot in the conversation. There was a ton of major, uh, major accomplishments done throughout the year. I mean, you mentioned Josh Taylor uh, looked pre- looked pretty darn good against Jose Ramirez, and you know, on the women's side, there was a ton of. Uh, names yes. that, that certainly deserve yes. it. You know, Jessica McCaskill got the win in the rematch against Cecilia yes. Breakers. Alicia Bumgarner looked great against Terry Harper. Sanisa Estrada, another one. Amanda Serrano's been uh, yep, making herself busy. Yep. Clarissa Shields unified an entire division last year. Michaela Meyer won a world title, unified belts in it with a fight of the year contender to add on. There's a lot of big names, a lot of names that deserve. Uh, spotted the conversation for fighter of the year, which kind of goes to show just how good this year was. And it also goes to show you how great of a fighter Canelo Alvarez has become. And you guys listening will know exactly what, what I feel about Canelo's career has an article on him is coming out very soon about his entire career up to this point that I wrote about him on fight game media. Now we don't, we don't have a ton of boxing to cover this week. Uh, but there is one particular card on Friday 
which is the first ever the first show box the new generation card of 2022 and it is still just as good and the quality of the fights are still just as good as uh as as we're accustomed to seeing on Showbox, tons of great prospects on hand, and only what only um only actually well, I don't know what I'm saying. None of them, none of them have a single loss to their name. If I'm getting the box rec numbers correctly, they have all, a all three fights are all three fights against undefeated fighters. Yes, they have a combined 81 and 0 record with wow. 58 knockouts. All of, and all of these fights are good. Luis Nunez versus Carlos Arrieta. Starling Castillo versus Otar Eranosian. And not Starling Castro fans. Not Starling Castro. That's a different guy. Starling <laughs> Castillo. <laughs> and Edwin De Los Santos versus William Foster the third. All of these fights look so damn impressive and I'm excited for these fights. This is going to be... This actually might be a sneaky good show to watch on Friday on Showtime. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's well worth your way to go out of it and see. Uh, Showbox always puts up great crossroad fights, and this is no exception. This this has the potential to be one of the greatest Showbox cards of all time. Uh, yeah, it's... And it's a good step up for a lot of these, for a lot of these guys. Carlos Arrieta... Uh, really doesn't have a ton of good names under his belt. The only one you can argue is maybe uh, Ricardo Nunez, not the one that we were talking about uh, earlier, but uh, another one who's who's been in the ring for a lot of big names from Carlos Quadras to Juan Carlos Raveco, Maruti Emtelani. The he's you know he's gotten a win against him a couple of years ago. Luis Nunez, very very good fighter, very good. Puncher with a with pretty darn good knockout radio uh, ratio, eleven knockouts and fifteen wins. You got the rest of the card again. This is just a bunch of really good prospects fighting each other, and credit to Showtime for putting on this excellent, excellent card. Hell, they even there's even a bunch of fighters uh, not fighting on TV at this moment to. Are some decent fights, you know, Shinar Bunch is a guy who yep. has been in the yep. the ring with some good fighters. I remember the fight that he had last year against Janelson uh, Boca Chica that ended in a draw. He's yep. going to be fighting yep. off TV. I've had a few people tell me that that should, you know, him, him against his uh, his fight against. Um, I hope I pronounced this correctly. Shingiskan Tashi Bay. Who's also another unbeaten fighter? That that fight should be on TV. I hope there's a way to watch some of these undercard bouts because there's a few guys who could who I'm very interested in seeing uh, them in action. But Showtime might uh, is not scheduled to put them. They might put the Shannar Bunch highlights on on Showtime. They sometimes do that where they put the highlights Damn. of non TV fighters. Uh, this would be there. perfect for a show for a pre YouTube show for Showtime or their Showtime on YouTube channel. Damn. Yeah, this your Earth just anyone. Really, just yeah. Yeah, someone please put this uh put these uh fights uh on Facebook or on YouTube. I would very much love to see that in my uh, in all honesty. Who who's the promoter of the fight? Is it Debella? 
no, no. This is a. Uh, I believe this is a Sam a Samson Lukowitz, uh, or at least okay. partially. I don't know Thank if he. Uh, I think there may be another promoter involved co-promoting this, but I know Samson is has a hand on this card. He definitely has All right, one. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. yeah, there's a few fighters in here that are Samson Lukovic guys. Which, if you don't know, I mean, this guy has a tremendous eye for talent, especially in, in the Caribbean, Central, and South America. Yes. So if yes. there's a guy pr- promoted by Samson, then you know for a fact this this guy's gonna be this guy's pretty good. Yes. All right, Robert, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we end things here? Oh, we can wrap it up. You covered everything I was thinking about. Go ahead. All right, then. Robert, where can the good people find you on Twitter and read your work? Okay, on Twitter, I'm Robert Silva, 5768. Uh, com, the parent company of this website is where I have my 45 Greatest Fighters of the Last 45 Years series I'm working on. This week, number 24, Saul Canelo Alvarez will be coming out, and you'll see it will piggyback on what Carlos and I were talking about him earlier, just how great of a fighter he's become. And to be number 24 in the last 45 years, that's an incredible accomplishment um, from the great fighter from Mexico. You can also find me on Twitter at Calls Toro Media. And that'll do it for this episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. We'll see you all in the next one. Hope you have a great weekend and happy new year to everyone. Hope 2022 is better than 2021. We'll see you all in the next one. Goodbye, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.